I'd like to start today with Rabbi uh, Esther. And I think there's a number of points that Rafael makes on the Megillah. In fact, he actually wrote something that was printed in his name after he died. Um, it was printed as sort of like the byproduct of his yeshiva that, that he developed in Eretz Yisrael, the yeshiva that was the last... His last significant contribution, really, before he died, was, was this creation of this yeshiva in Yerushalayim. Uh, the yeshiva that became a great yeshiva uh, from the Kubalim. Um, he didn't live long, but his students, using his method, um, were able to publish, after he died, a sefer in his, um, that he, yes, here his students who, who were there, um, Sefer Rishon Lutzion. And in this Sefer, there is a Perush on Megillah Esther. Um, if I would say, does this reflect the greatness of the Rachaim, the way we've seen him, the subtlety and the psycho, almost the, 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 the acute understanding, uh, uh, psychologically, pedagogically, um, I would say it does not, but you def- you s- it, it clearly, you see his his questions. In other words, I, I don't think you see his answers, but when I read the pages that have that have remained for posterity of the Rakhine's questions on Megillah Esther, I see a lot of the same uh, type of questions that we see in the Chumash. I, I, I want to deal with his approach here and suggest something else, but... Um, and I also want to talk about a piece where the Arachayim actually, it's only one page, where the Arachayim actually mentions Mordechai and Esther in Sefer Shmos. Um, I didn't do a search on my computer. I actually now do have the Arachayim on my, um, I do actually do have now the Arachayim on my uh, computer. Uh, and I could do a search for the words Mordechai and Esther. I think I found pretty much the only place that he speaks about it, and that happens to be in Sefer Shmos, in Parshas Yisro, which I hope we'll get to soon. Um, and there isn't, uh, besides this, besides the Rachaim's two points that I want to hit, which is A, where he speaks about Mordechai and Esther in his commentary in Chumash, his major question in his commentary in Megillus Esther, which we'll, we will read and see. And the third thing is really the connection between this part, week's parasha, the last Parsha we read yesterday, Parsha Svayikra, and Megillus Esther. Um, we know that uh, point that I raised a number of weeks ago here in the Kolo was which these Parshios, which we do read during Megillus Esther time, during Purim time, uh, we raised a question as to um, the appropriateness or the the, the, the directness of the of, of the message that could be taken from the parsha parshiot vis-a-vis the story of Purim and Megillah Esther. If you remember, I, I thought it was an interesting way of looking at things. Why is it that it's almost on Hanukkah? If you remember, we asked that in Hanukkah, where is about uh, the Beis Hamikdash, which is about the Hanukkah and the Binyan and the Kedusha of the Uma, we get the story of Yosef. And when it comes to uh, Esther, most of the parsha that we have have to do with the Kedushas of the Beis Hamikdash, whereas it would seem that a lot of 
the, the material that's contained in the end of Sefer Bereshis might be very apropos for the intrigue and the thoughts and the ideas that are, that are contained so much in, in Megillus Esther. Uh, to elaborate on that point, just I want to prove it really with two Rashis. Uh, one Rashi is in the Megillah. I, I, I've, I've supplied you with the Megillah with Rashi. So if you can hand these out, um, uh, the very last page of Megillah's Esther with Rashi, again, these are the Chumashim. It's usually found at the end of Sefer Shmos. Uh, at the end of Sefer Shmos. Uh, there's a, uh, in fact, um, I have, I've always said that from Perkes on, you know, you need a good editor because it's almost like there's a lot of psukim. Yeah, you're right. That's your answer already. That all those psukim, it's hard to read them in terms of narrative because they all seem to go over the same material again. There seems to be psukim that seem to pretty much just repeat uh, the same uh, principles and things that we've said before. And like Sheila said, a lot of times it's these psukim that seem to be the throwaway psukim that really contain more of, of the lesson for us than even some of the more impressive ones uh, when you look at them. But there's a one Rashi I want to point out. Uh, it's on the last page. It's on Pasuk Chavav. Perik Tes Pasuk Chavav. Um, there are Rashis. There are Megillus with Rashis here. Okay, it should be at the end of Sefer Shmos. It's not there to be the end of Sefer Dvorim. We'll read the Pasuk very quickly. The Pasuk says that Al-Kain koru ayomem ha'eva purim al-shem This was, again, what Mordechai and Esther uh, determined, that this name should be Purim. Al-Kel divrei hazos based on this letter, this Megillah, really, very strange phrase at the end. If you read this Rashi, it's, it's, it's just so, it really describes what this Megillah is. Rashi says, these days of Purim are really very much established as days of the reading of Megillah, of reading this story. That's why it was written down. The generations to come need to look at this story and read it, and especially, this is the point I want everyone to hear, what did the characters contained in this story see? What was in their mind? What did they know? What did they think about? What moved them to act the way they did? We have her- heroes in, in the Megillah. We also have heroes in the Torah. We have an Avram who, who, was in, who did, went to the Akedah, Avram who had other Nisyonot, Yitzchok, Yaakov. Most of them, we don't know why they did what they did, why they acted the way they did. Ma'ro'u. What did they see 
that made them act the way they did. Right? What was their motivations? The motivations of the characters in the Megillah was written, this Sefer was written to provide characters with motivations. Mahigi Yalehem, then Rashi says, Ma Ro'ach Ashverosh, Shenishtamesh Pekli Kodesh. For example, why did Ahasuerus do what he did? And what happened because of that? Then again, he goes to Haman. What motivated Haman that he got so angry and out of control vis-a-vis And what happened to him? What, great, what uh, motivated Mordechai that he acts in this way of even though he's being told and, and, and it's an obvious thing that could possibly endanger himself and the world. Why did he act in the way he act? And what happens to him? Similarly, what did Esther see? Now, obviously these things aren't written out like a bad author would give you what's in their mind exactly, but you have to figure it out. In other words, you are presented with characters that you are supposed to see what it was they were thinking about and what, why they acted the way they did, and then to recognize how their just desserts were indeed the just desserts of their actions. So again, that is a very unique book for Kisri Kodesh, that we are supposed to imply motivation and poetic justice and drama. If anything, like I mentioned, that's really the story of Yosef. If anything, if there's any parallel, it would be perhaps... Yosef and his brothers, but even there, sort of like at the end, we see that really wasn't their motivation, or it was. But again, this idea of right. Well, is this is this the Megillah that obviously is tying the ship? You know what, Shiva? I'm willing to accept that as a possible theory. I want to stop just at the point, yeah, this is, makes it unique. It's unique, and therefore, you wonder again, um, you know, uh, the, to complement this parsha, to complement this sort of story that's ma'ro'u, that, that we want to know what the characters saw, the parshiot that, that accompany that, uh, it, it's, it's, it seems to be sort of a mismatch. That's what I was trying to say a couple weeks ago, that if anything, the parashios of Yosef, those sound maro'u, <laughs> that those go into the minds of the person and why they acted the way they did. And the Megillah even more so, but um, that would have been, like I said, a nice match. Uh, there's really um, another Rashi that to me is very key in the Megillah. And, you know, I, I have this theory, it's a wild theory, and... and the, you know, my friends on the left all say, oh, I'm sure that's right. And my friends on the right say, oh, no, how can you say such a thing? So, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> well, you know, Rashi is the master teacher. And if anything should convince us that, it's the Rachayim, because in many ways, how, how he's able to uh, resurrect Rashi so many times, and he's able to really show the, the you know, the, from the subtle brilliant attacks of the Ramban, mm-hmm. Rakhaim is many times able to, as we point out in this class, and, and Rashi and Chumash is, is clearly uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, really putting so much important ideas on the page that you need to, to, to grab onto to, to be able to 
really get through the parshiot. Rashi and Tanakh has always left me dry. I've always felt, okay, Rashi and Tanakh, I mean, did Rashi really write this? I, again, I'm willing, or may have asked him whenever it's my time, I, I would be surprised if this was really the commentary Rashi wanted to write on, on Tanakh. The Rashi and Tanakh is, is to me so sparse. It doesn't have any of that, of, of the beautiful Midrashim that Rashi picks sometimes that are just right. He just, it's, it's almost like Rashi did it as a throwaway piece. Like Rashi, you know, Rashi had some editors call him and say, listen, Rashi, thought it's going to be a big seller, just write. <laughs> no, I got, I got plenty to do. No, no, just come on, just write up a little Tanakh commentary. You can do it. All right, when do you need to buy? Uh, tomorrow? Okay. So then Rashi just wrote this. Because, again, if you ever go through Tanakh with Rashi, Nach, no, no. not Tanakh, you're right, I'm sorry, Shimon. Nevi'im Iktuvim, generally, okay, there's our, uh, but there are some exceptions. Shirashirim, and maybe the Megillot, he was a little bit in a different mode. Ketuvim, especially the ones on the Megillot, and, and Tehillim are, there you see the Rashi. Not in the same way you see him in Chumash, but there he's, and again, maybe it's because he was trying to put more of his efforts into what he thought people would be learning more and be more involved in. And, uh, but Rashi in Esther says some wonderful things. Short, it's a very short commentary, but he says some wonderful things. I want to share with you one other Rashi before we get, and I think again it gives us a sense of what Megillus Esther is before we deal with the three pieces of Arachayim that I wanted to do. The Rashi is uh, in Perik Vov. And again, my students, uh, again, I don't, I, without referring to in such a condescending way, but if you take a Koran Tanakh, if you take a, a, a Tanakh that doesn't have the Christian chapters, again, you'll see that a lot of these chapters are, shouldn't really be chapters either. A lot of them should be new paragraphs as opposed to new chapters. But it's a different story. Okay. Uh, let's go to chapter Vov. Okay. Um, this is the part of the Megillah that's, that is always referred to in, in Chazal as Tokfo Shones. It's like the Perig Vov, Posak Al Vo'ailahu, Nododo Shnas Hamelech. Vayomer Wohavi Yasefra Zichronot. Divrayayom. Have you Nikron with Neyamelech? Okay, and then Posak Bey says, and he found written there. Rashi is bothered by a question. Rashi is a, it's, a, it's a pretty long one. It's Aleph there. It's on this in my in, on the page I'm looking at. It's the second column, and it's about five lines down. Nodadoshnas Hamelach and Rashi. So Rashi says Neishaya. The fact that he couldn't sleep that night, and this was a miracle that really can't be explained, other than the fact God decided to step in and push things. V'yeshomer. Som es libo al shezimne ester es haman shemen nosna ineabo v'yargeu. That maybe there's a plot between um, Esther and Haman. Uh, maybe Esther has got her sights on Haman. Um, and maybe they are planning in a sense to Kill Achashverosh. So, this is the Rashi that to me 
is, 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 is really in a way very important. Derech HaMalachim Kishinatan Nodedet when their sleep escapes them. It's like it's moving away from them. They can't seem to regain their sleep. Omrim Lifneim Misholem Vesichot You say in front of them parables and conversations. Dialogues and Misholem until their sleep comes back to them. That's Rashi's answering a question. His question is, if Ahasuerus can't sleep, and it's not a ness, or it is, however the reason is, why does he ask for the, the Manhattan phone book to be brought to him? Right? And a lot of you will say, yeah, you want something boring to read, but that's not the case. What you want is something that can... can yeah, to give you back the dream world, to give you back the olam and the chalal, to give you back the that, right something to latch on to. It could be this is so boring. I don't know why if it's boring people like it, but Rashi says kings want a story for their minds to get involved in, and that story is full of parables, meaning events described which clearly are illusions to something else, right? Sikhot are conversations that didn't happen. Those are invented dialogues. Those are sikhot. That's what a sikhot is. It, it isn't... If we would... Okay, I'm not talking about this tape. But if we would have a tape recording of normal office conversation, it would be the most boring thing in the world, right? That's why you have these FBI handlers who are sitting there listening to the mafia guys and they're saying, boy, this is very boring. They're talking about this and that. Then once up, oh, something just came up, Right? Obviously, if we're talking about sikhot that are interesting, these are invented sikhot. These are sikhot that are invented by a writer. And the writer actually wrote Misholim. Hmm. Okay, so in other words, but that was, Rashi says, the Sefer HaZichronot. <laughs> the Sefer HaZichronot was not this congressional record-like every single word that happened there and uh, the description in a boring way the way life really is right the, in, in the long story it was spruced up there was a marshal in it there was a sikha in it it was like something yeah wow it was like there was a build up aha Mordechai was walking by and Mordechai happened to hear the whispering and right and Mordechai turned the cocked his head and you know again I'm not even going to try to 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 imagine what it was like. Or perhaps it even begins in some other story that now becomes within a different story. And all of a sudden we hear the exact words of Big Son and Teresh and Mordecai. And these were what the king was listened to. So you know what? Let me get, get out the storybook. What's the storybook? The Sefer Zichron notes. Because if it's not written in such a fashion, here's my point, and it doesn't become part of Zikaron. Memory is, by definition, a lie, in a way. Part of what allows memory to remain is what is the embellishment that we put into it. Right? Part of what we... Right? Yeah, you know, we take out... You know, there's such, so much there. Other, but this is the amazing thing. That's the Sefer Hazikaron. The Sefer that has, that really gets Ahasuerus going... Is, 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 is only a book that is, is, is a knockoff, is a, is, a, is a romantic 
literary knockoff of the prosaic truth. That's what the Sefer Zichronot were. And that's where he heard about Mordechai and Big Son. And that's what got him saying, I've got to do something. Because if he would have just read the facts, ma'am, just the facts, it, it would have That's right. It wouldn't have inspired him to act. So the Megillah, here's me talking now, the Megillah is in itself a Sefer that gives us these days are also Nizkarim through the Megillah. Yet the Megillah itself is Misholim Vesichot. I'm not saying the Megillah didn't happen <laughs> the way it's written. But what allows the Megillah to be a safer Zikaron for us is the same thing. Is the fact that it's Misholim Vesichot. Is that there are events that occur that are meant to be parable. That are meant to just reflect something else. That there are people that act in a way, there are stories that are said here that are only a mushal. And that there are conversations that happened that, again, I'm not saying they didn't happen. But I'm not necessarily saying that they did exactly the way they're written. In order for it to be a Sefer Zikaron, that's what I think you're seeing from this Rashi. And to me, that's that's a very subtle point that Rashi is saying. Now, the rest of the Rashi is so good, I want to read it, too. I, you want to disagree with me? No, it's, I, I want to give you some background, because... You, you want to back me up? No, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> when, when I, I think that's what... See, in Iran, there was lots of poetry, quiet poetry that was written about kings and so forth and so on in back history. In, in that time, as a matter of fact, yeah. like there was two, uh, two different uh, capitals. And at one time, one of the kings moves, and he used to move back every six months, and so forth, so, so he didn't come. So they did the same type of thing with him. They went, and they started coming up with the beauty of the city, and the smell of the roses. And <laughs> right. So these are the books that they used to write. So when he says Mishal, but it wasn't like enough fact. It was a Mishal to bring the, 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 the true story, not, not in a history form, but in a narrative. Exactly, in a, in, a, in a gaze of a play. So when I'm reading, and then over here it says, Sefer has a color. That's literal, it's not something that, you know. That's my point. Ra- Rashi is willing to say, Sefer has a of Persia or Iran was. Right, but Mishalim was Mishalim But Sikhot, you, you're going too far to the point that it may be just a conversation that it didn't happen really. What I'm saying is. Mishalim is the same the thing. As, as That's what I said. That's what I said. Again, did, did, was this exactly what... Did, did, Mordechai, did Mordechai say, Aha! You don't think that I know that language, but I really do. That conversation might never have happened. But, in order for it to register for us, it needs to have been written that way. Otherwise, it's, it, it goes... It's just boring. It's just something that just it's just it's just little elements of information that don't make a difference unless they are somehow weaved into a mashal and a sikha. Right. Again, it. You're right. Exactly. That's right. That's right. 
Okay. I, I, I agree with you that, again, you have to sometimes be invented. You're right, it's built on facts. That's right. That's right. It's built on fact, but again, it's Moshul Vesicha, and that's part of the reason why. Again, you know, you had this whole, I, I don't want to get into this, but you had this author who was, who I think was the authorized biographer of uh, Ronald Reagan, I think Edmund Morris was his name, and I think what he, right, what he did was he basically made himself a character in, in Reagan's life, and like he invented himself and stuff like that, and he felt that, and he actually, in, in scholarly, you're right, what I'm saying here sort of echoes his scholarly uh, uh, defense for himself, which was, hey, this is a way that this story can be real and people can, can, can live with it. If I have to create a character called myself and I put myself into the, the book, that's what Reagan was, that's what he was. He was such a, again, I'm not a political philosopher or an analyst or a or, or, uh, but Reagan was that type of person, he said, that the his story can only be told sort of like in this way. Um, what about Yeah. George, you're right. You can run with this ball and into a lot of oh, strange places. Um, and again, I'm just pointing out that I, I'm taking two Rashi's. One Rashi at the end of the Megillah that says the Megillah is meant to be seen, the characters are meant to be real, human, um, and, and we have to ascribe to them motive and, and see dramatic justice done to them. And now we see this other Rashi that he says, a safer zikaron can be mishon v'sikot. I'm making that jump and saying, to me, in many ways, that's what this Megillah is about. True, Rashi's only talking about the Persian one. And I'm the one that's actually taking it to the next step. But this is again, my, my sense here, because this is the essential part of the Ness. This is really what changes everything, is, is the Sefer HaZikaron. And that's part of what the Megillah is meant to do, is to be Ma'orer Zikaron. It keeps on, Rashi says, Niskarim Vinasim, Zecher, Zecher, the Zecher is the Megillah. The Megillah is to generate Zikaron. And this is how you generate Zikaron, Rashi's telling us. Through, a, 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 not through the facts, just the facts, ma'am, but through Mishroam Vizikot. Otherwise, you don't really have Zikaron because you don't have absorption and you don't have uh, movement. <coughs> uh, so they would call it in Hollywood the uh, historical truth, but dramatized. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Now, clearly, there's a difference between Mordecai and Esther doing it, and you know, even a good screenwriter is Ben Hecht. I'm just mentioning somebody Jewish, but who was actually a very famous Hollywood screenwriter. Um, what you know? What, since I started this Rashi, I just want to do one. Let's do the end of this Rashi too. Um, it's just a good Rashi. I told my students that that you see Rashi's depth as a psychologist in this next Rashi. Rabbeinu Omru. That's me. But then Rashi says, "Here's what the rabbis say." Why does he ask for the Sefer Zikronot? It would seem the Sefer Zikronot is not the thing to ask for. You know, can I have the latest, uh, you know, Stephen King novel? I mean, what do I want the Sefer Zikronot? Well, maybe Stephen King might keep you up at night, but you know what I mean. Rabbi Seinu Omru, mitoch 
Shenosan libo al Haman ve Esther. Omar, Efshar, Shaloyeda Adam, Shehu Oavai, Atsosam, Vigalili. Hmm. There cannot be such a plot that I wouldn't be aware of. How could that happen? How could it happen that there's a plot that I'm, I'm not aware of? I mean, it's so close to me. Come on, you can't keep a secret anywhere. There's no such thing as a secret. I mean, th- there's only about ten... I mean, I'm here, I'm moving within these people. Why isn't somebody snitching? Why isn't there somebody who's seen, more, who's seen uh, Esther and, 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 and Haman somehow talking and, and it didn't come over to me and say, King, uh, I think you should know about this. I mean, that should happen. Why isn't it happening? This is the part which is great. V'chazar v'amar. Then he thought the other way. And he said, Shema osili odam tova v'lo gamaltiv v'ein choshen odli. Maybe I've become a despot. Maybe people don't care about me anymore because I haven't been I haven't given the mailman his Christmas present lavdo. I haven't given the garbage guy, I haven't given accommodations to everybody down the line. It's impossible to rule a huge, I can't be the most powerful person in the world if you don't grease the wheels of the little people all around you. Otherwise, your power is so ethereal, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I am going to be the person in power. But because I didn't press the buttons right, because I didn't give a little accommodation to this guy, parade for this guy, a medal for this guy, a pat on the back, how's it going to this guy, I've become removed. Yeah, officially I'm the guy in power. But my whole mahout is a illusory deck of cards that's about to crumble. Yeah, I don't, they don't care about me. Yeah, I've got all this power, but no one's talking to me or telling me anything. Yeah, when they see me, they're going to listen. Yes, sir but in their hearts and minds, they have no patriotism and no connection to me. Ain't Chosh Shnod Lee. Hmm. He knows that already. He didn't. Yeah, well, he thought that was like a one thing. You know, there's always going to be... But some, right there, he was told. So now, the closest people that I have, what's going on? Am I, have I become such a despot? Have I become... I don't know if I'm using the right word. Have I become such a... A person that's so... Well, this was Esther's intent. Yeah, I understand, but, but, but look at the way Rashi understood this. Like, so therefore he says, I need to rest so he can't sleep. He says, listen, I'll take care of Esther and, and, and Haman. Now that I know about it, I'll investigate it. But i got a bigger problem. The problem is, I'm not even really a king. Ain't Choshish and Odli. Yeah, they might, you know, goose, you know, they might kowtow to me when I walk down the street. But ain't Choshish and Odli. You know what I got to do? I've got to rectify this. I got to make a public case, and I've got to make something out of yeah, and say I am a person that appreciates my people. I'm willing to give parades. I'm willing to actually give commendations. Therefore, he says, you know what? Bring me the Sefer Zechronot. Yeah, of course it's boring, but find somebody who did something for me, and there's probably some big person I haven't done something for, and that's probably where my bad uh, pub started. It's brilliant. I mean, it's this Rashi. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is like, again, it puts a whole, both of these, el- again, like I said before, you look at these both elements of this Rashi, and I can just close the, we don't need to do our Rachamim, I'm saying, just look at this Rashi. Both parts of the Rashi are, are so deep in terms of what, you know, in, in one level, to me, the idea, like, 
Look, I think it leads into the whole essence of the Megillah and Midrash and in general dialogue it, whenever you find it. And the other thing is really just Rashi's understanding of human nature here about the way Rashi explains what was, what was happening here with Ahasuerus and why he should do that. Okay, the second thing I just said that really is not essential to what I want to get to today, but it's interesting. Okay, three pieces of Arachayim. Let's start with um, the one in Chumash, quickly. The one in Chumash um, is in Sefer Vayikra, and I, yeah, obviously this only works when you have an Ibriyor, because only when you have an Ibriyor, when you have a Shana Muberet, do we usually read the Parshiot, do we read the Parshiot of, of Purim in Sefer Vayikra. Still, even when it's not a Shana Muberet, we're reading the Parshiot that have to do with the building in Asiyah Samishkan. So it isn't that strange. Uh, the Archaim is on the um, page Yud Aleph. Page Yud Aleph in the Rachaim and Vayikra. Remember, there's three paginations. There's Shemot, there's Bereshis, Shemos, and uh, Vayikra. So Vayikra is, uh, it's, it's the pagination Yud Aleph in Vayikra. So in other words, okay, so it's the third, the third pagination. I might use that word a lot. I might be using it totally wrong. I thought it was the, you know, the way you number the pages, right? Am I right about that? I don't know. Right? I think so. Okay. In other words, because the way they, instead of, because it's five books, Every single new book, the, edit, the, the person who put this edition together, starts the pages. It starts the numeration again. So it's, it's page Yud Aleph. Okay. Page Yud Aleph really deals with something which is um, interesting in the Parshas Vayikra. And that is, we start Vayikra with the Ola. The Ola, and specifically the idea of the Nedava. That a person wants to bring an Ola totally to Hashem. And in a way, the Gemara Makot says that according to Rav Shimon Ben Yochai, that is clearly the most Chomer of Korbanot, is the Ola. Right? Here it is. It goes totally up to Kaddish Baruch Hu. There is no Achila at all by uh, the Kohanim. It is Kulei Kol Hashem. It's the most Chomer, and really that's where Seder Vayikra starts. You want to be Menadev and Ola, Hashem. It doesn't even come through Chet, and that goes completely. All the Kohanim have to do is know how to service that and 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 and, and, and get that totally burnt. Now, the Torah on page five forty six goes on and talks about um, uh, how what animals you use in Menatzon, Mekvasim, and how it's done. And at the end, it says again on page five forty eight, Olahu Reach Michorach Lashem. Then, in Pasuk Yudalot, it says, of If the Ola comes as a bird, um, the Rechaim points out, again, typically Rechaim, on page Yudalot, on the bottom, it says, Tam Omar Karbono Hashem. When the Ola was described on page um, 
544, im ola korbano. doesn't say la Hashem. In Pasuk 546, im minat korbano, not min Hashem. Im minat ola korbano, all of a sudden the Torah emphasizes la Hashem. Now again, he's talking about animals, and, and, and again, uh, definitely a, 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 a bigger, and I use the term loosely, sacrifice, right? There, it doesn't say La Hashem, and yet the Allah, the, the Of, is La Hashem. Masha Omer came, but Allah's broker of its own. So he says, Lufisha Matsinu, Shehich Shirakosim, but Of, Bale Mumin. We know an oaf is different than the other animals. The other animals, there's very, very specific laws that the Torah enumerates what can be a korban and what can't. I don't know, uh, an eye problem, uh, a growth, all those things, the korban is puzzle. Ka'om ramzal, ain't zakros v'tamas pa'of. But the birds, doesn't make a difference. Kamosha's varbasana. Imkei, tavo hasvara, lomar, ki pochosu korban zeh, ki Really, perhaps, this is less of a carpet. Because, I mean, it doesn't even look so great. You can get mumim in it. I mean, these are clearly a second-rate carpet. These ofot are really second-raters, right? Yeah, you know, it's like there's the paid page in the ad journal, and then there's the smaller page. Yeah, the of... No, I must be sure. I know I got the good page. But I'm saying, but the point is... <laughs> but the point is, you can say, no, yeah, it's a secondary thing. Yeah, no, yeah. Okay. What? Yeah, yeah. You know what? Everybody, you can bring your oaf too. An oafish. Okay. I was waiting for someone to say that. What? Oh, that's what he's going. That is what he's going to say, Yaakov. That's exactly what is he going to say. So he says, You know what it is? You get another two. Okay. Yeah. Go in. Omar Carbono Hashem ki bo shum hadroga. It's actually the reverse. It actually has no element of being less. It's like it doesn't make a difference. It isn't the point we're allowing it. You would it, think it's the would be the oh, that's coming up. It's coming up. That's really my point today. omro zal ani I'm with the Daka. I'm with the ones that have been downtrodden. Ulamanda Omer Iti Daka. It's right that it's like I am with the ones. With me is the ones who are Matam Atmal Hiskashmoyus Barak Samachalkos Korbanov Korbanov. Kimi Darka Lohoviov, like Yaakov is saying, Hua Ani. Ume Vio Bishivran Lev. Whatever he brings. The Olah is in the Dava. It represents how he wants to come close to God. And obviously he looked himself in the mirror and he thought about himself and this is what he could afford and this is what he brought. And he says, Litzad Mashahu Ani. And part of why he's bringing this is his knowledge that he can't bring the big one. And this is what he can give. Litzad Mira Korban. And he recognizes when he's giving it that Perhaps there's more, and there's others that give more, and he's so in con- he's so aware of his situation, and he has that pain. Therefore, Hashem is really more with him. It goes clearly more to Hashem than the other fancier carbon. 
He's happy. Yeah. Pakrova's Dover Haroi was Slavic. People see this. Wow. Yeah, let's look at that. That's what I brought to yeah. That's That's my Ola, Lashem. Kiyot Sabador Shubizvachim. But Mashal's Marakosu Vibincha Vinefesh. A similar thing we have in the very next one, which is on page 548. Vinefesh Kisakriv Mincha. Which is right after the Ola Sa'of. If you take a look there, Rashi says, Lo nemer nefesh b'chol korbanot nedava el b'mincha. It never says nefesh. Mi darko lisnadev mincha ani. Omer HaKadosh Baruch Hu, mal ani alav ki lehikriv nafsho. So again, there's a combination, there's a connection between these two which are pretty much one paragraph after each other. Again, the chapter ends on page 548 on the top of the page. That, those are the big animals. Then a new chapter begins. Paragraph A is the Oaf. Paragraph B is the Mincha. Those two go together. There are levels. One is a Korban Lahashem, and the other is the Nefesh itself. What's interesting about this is that even though this is sort of like an Oni's Ola, in other words, the real poorest man's Ola is a mincha. Unlike the others, unlike the others, that there's no achila except on the mizbeach, even the poor oaf. And again, it's interesting about the oaf that there's no zrika sadam, but actually he gets pressed straight into the mizbeach. You almost get the imagery of the pain and suffering that that person is living through, right? Just just read it. I mean, you can read what it says. He brings it to the altar, he nips its head, he presses out its blood on the wall, as opposed to, you know, like, like you know, like taking it in the, uh, taking it in the clee, and then bringing it in his back, but this actually gets pressed straight to the wall. Uh, and, and unlike Shkita, which is Kshera Bazaar, Malik has to be with a Kohen. You could have a czar, Machabid, the czar, to come and do shrita. Okay, he does shrita, and then the koyin does his rikasadah. That was an oath. An oath has to be with a koyin. It has to be with the malika. That's why the koyin's fingernails were perfect, were, 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 were ready to do malika. In a way, it's much more of an intense, extreme carbon. And it's much more calmer, in a sense, than, than, the, than the, carbon of, the carbon that's not by the oni. Even the acts that are done. Again, you read about it. You see that he removes its crop with its feathers and throws it near the Mizbeach. You remove, right? The hisser as muraso benot sasa. Now, Mincha. Eat it. Right. Which is interesting. The Mincha, which would seem to be even a greater level, of, of nefesh, where actually the pure nefesh is on display, the Kohen doesn't, it doesn't all go to the Mizbeach. All it says is, Vehiktera Kohen has askarasa ha The Kohen takes the askarasa to the Mizbeach, and that's the Ishareach Nichok. That's all the Ola is, all the Ola of the Mincha. The Ola aspect of the Mincha, which seemingly is only that one Kamitza, 
Right? When the coin sticks his hand in, and that part becomes the kmitza, that goes on uh, the Mizbeach, and the rest of the Mincha will Aaron Ubonov. They eat it. Not to be Machapir, but that's part of. So, what's happening here exactly? I mean, because we don't want to waste good food. I mean, good food, the carbon, where you have the real good meat and smell and everything, that goes totally. Why, when it comes to the Mincha, is the Mincha eaten by. Kohanim. I mean, it's not like the Oni gets it, right? It's not like the Oni is going to be able, oh, you know what, he's an Oni, give him back his food, this way he can take it home. No, the Kohanim eat it. Why is the Ola of Kohanim, have people involved in terms of making it the shame Ola? And it's also called Ishe Hashem, Kodesh Akhtoshim, Me'ishe Hashem. Um, what is this? This has a lot to do with Purim. Because everybody... Well, if you haven't heard it, I'm going to reintroduce to you to a, an amazing Chazal. So I told this Chazal to someone yesterday, the person said, where did the Chazal get that from? How do they know that that happened? Well, you'll hear. Right after Nodadosh Nasamelech, when Haman realizes that, well, Haman steps into a nightmare, right? Haman steps into a nightmare, and everything he says is suddenly the, the wrong thing to say. He finds himself having to go find Mordechai. And he comes to Mordechai, as the Pesach says, in the Megillah. He and comes... Right. Okay. Right. Right. He's got to come to him. I just want to read you as he's coming to him. It says that... Uh, he's bringing the he came to Mordechai. What was Mordechai doing? Mordechai was the third day of the Ta'anit, and Mordechai was sitting and learning. Mordechai was sitting and learning with his students. And the Gemara says in Megillah, he was showing them, and to the Medrash Rabbah, and Emor, and maybe a number of other places, the Midrash, and there's a tremendous amount of tradition to this story. He was showing them Hilchas Kamitzah. He was showing them how to do Kamitzah. Um, the Medrash says that it was a special committee he was showing them, which we'll get to in a minute. When Mordechai saw, when, when he saw Mordechai, when Mordechai sees Haman coming, this is an amazing thing, Mordechai, the first time in, that I know of, Mirtas, Mordechai is shaking. The Medrash has another version, he was, he was, he was, he was, he was that it's very interesting that Medrash describes that to Mordechai because the Megillah never has a Mordechai as Nisiorei at all. Yeah, but Mordechai quaking in his boots, the Medrash puts at this moment. This was the moment that Mordechai was very... He says, you know what? You're going to be killed now too. If you leave me now, you can live. Um... <coughs> And they said, Mordechai, where's they? Um, they're staying. They said that, uh, um, he says, if, 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 if you're going to die, we want to die with you. If you live, we want to live with you. So Mordechai said, I'm going to daven them. Because, and Mordechai stopped the learning for a minute, and he wrapped himself up in the talit, talit, and he started to daven. And Haman shows up there. And Haman 
waited for Mordechai to finish, and he looks around, he says, what are you studying here? And they said, well, uh, at the time of the Beis HaMittosh, uh, we studied the laws of the Karban Mincha. And if you would bring, you wanted to bring a Mincha, this is the way you would do it. And Mordechai was showing us how to do Kamitza. He was showing us the idea of Kamitza and how it worked. Of the Kohen the putting his hand in and, and, and taking the Azkarasa. This is what Mordechai was showing us. Uh-huh. What's Azkarasa? The, 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 the Azkarasa, Zikaro. What Hashem remembers us. The Azkarasa, the Zecher, that somehow is the essence here uh, of the Mincha. Um, so he says, yeah. He says, is it gold? Uh, is it silver? What is this thing that's being brought? And I said, no, it's not gold or silver. It's it's it's, it's just wheat, and as we're going to see later, barley. I mean, just hmm. He says, what's it worth? Is it worth uh, ten talents? Uh, no, he says, all you need is like uh, just nothing. Just a little bit. But yeah, he says, I can't believe. It. He says that little comets of yours has pushed away the 10,000 kicker kesef of mine. I invested everything here and that little comets has somehow pushed away my thing. Um, again, you know, again, obviously this is another example of a mashal and a sicha because there's obviously some mashal here about these, this mitzvah and specifically the sicha that Haman just said when he says, well, your kmitza was bigger than my thing. This seems to have won the day. And Haman at this point realizes he's gone. That that, that kmitza. The Medrash actually says, the Medrash, not the Gemara, says that it wasn't just the law of normal kmitza, but also something, interestingly, from this week's parsha, In Perik Dalit, I believe. Um... I believe it's um, is it Perak David? It's oh Perak Gimel. I'm Perak Beis. I'm sorry, page five fifty two. The Imsakriv Minchas Bikurim LaHashem. What is the Minchas Bikurim? Says Rashi, the Minchas Omer Hakos of Medaber. That's the Korban Omer. That is called the Minchas Bikurim. It's, it's Geras Carmel. Okay? Ground from plump kernels. Takrev is Minchas Bikurecha. This has a little bit of... This has Shemen and Levona. But again, it has the, it has the Azkarosa and it has the ground flour, the ground coarse flour, and the oil... The Medrash says that's what he was studying with him because that was the day of Akrabas Almer. That if you take a look in the Megillah, it was the, sle- it was the second day of Pesach. So the reason Mordechai was studying that with them is because this Pasuk describes, he was studying this Pasuk. Mordechai HaTzadik was studying in his yeshiva, as they say, the yeshiva Mordechai HaTzadik. He was studying there with these students fasting and learning and fasting. He was studying with them 
the Torah Kohanim, the Droshos, there was no Mishnayas. He was studying with them these Psukim. That's right. But it's, I'm just trying to say, you know, we say, oh, it's Sefer Vayikra. What does this have to do with Purim? And this year, this is what Mordecai was studying with them, was studying Sefer Vayikra with them. He was studying them this Parsha. He was studying with them the Parsha of Mincha. And he was studying with them the Parsha specifically of Mincha Sa'omer, like you said, that this is what they're going to do today since we don't have the Mizbeach. That was already a Takonus Chazal to fast. It was a Takonus Chazal to fast. Uh, Mordechai, Vayavar Mordechai. At the time of Shlomo, you're right. At the time of Shlomo, you have the reverse. That's really the reverse, where you have their eating. And here, I have a way to explain that to Garrett, if you wait five minutes, I'm going to maybe. <laughs> My five minutes. You explain that. But the, the, the idea is, is that. Oh, so, what is the connection here? The Rachaim HaKadosh already told us that this is clearly has to do with anius. It has to do with stripping away everything and getting down to who you are as a human being and really looking at yourself and saying, yes, this is what I can give. The, 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 the morale really explains this a little bit better. The morale says that there's a wonderful commentary on the Megillah, or um, he says that um, the Omer, in, in general, the Korban Minicha, is, 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 and you can speak about barley specifically, is really such a fundamental, it's the earliest uh, of, of the grains that grow, it, it, it's the one that grows the earliest, it's the one that in a sense is the most coarse, it's the one that we always call Michael Behemah, but in a way, yeah, that's, that is the Chomer. The Maral says an interesting idea. He says that we all understand that, and again, you've heard this many times, but I've never heard it said exactly this way, that look, God is, of course, the creator of the world, and God keeps the world going. But one way you could look at the world is that the world is Shulchet, is the Shuliach of Hashem. Hashem is the Sholeach of everything. Hashem is Sholeach, and and uh, the, he's the Mishaleach, and the world are the Shluchim. And Teva and the world is basically under God's control. God is the big CEO. The other way to look at it is Hashem is actually manhig the Olam completely. And again, you've all heard this, that Teva is really not Teva, that there really isn't anything called Teva at all. Part of, when you get to the most at least as far as we're concerned, the most uh, fundamental aspect of physical growth in right, is, well, the earth you don't have, but I guess it would be the barley, it would be the, the grains, right? The most, again, to us, we consider it perhaps primitive or, or essential, elemental, elemental. is the ground. Right. So, right. So the morale says like this, Part of the reason a Molek and Haman feels they can kill us is because <laughs> clearly the world can run without Yisrael. I mean, the, the, we can be eliminated. On logical and, le- and, and legal grounds, we can be eliminated. And yes, on supernatural grounds, we have a certain special significance. We were taken out of Mitzrayim, we were the special people, we had all these miracles going on. 
obviously Haman and everyone is aware that this is not the same age, that this age of, of Superman, of myth and beyond has gone. The, in terms of normal Hanagot, a people can be eliminated. Kal Yisrael, in a sense, have to recognize that there is a level of relationship they have to Hashem where they are just pure avadim to Hashem as the manigateva, not just Hashem as the notena Torah of beyond Teva, but rather we really tie into Hashem on the most fundamental level of our existence. A very simple one, perhaps. A simple one, of perhaps, of an Oni, who really feels he has nothing, who has no illusions about himself, and really feels that he has not accomplished what he can. In that way, it's sort of like a rebuilding process. Yeah, things sort of get to a point that something happens, Gary, that has never happened, where you have a Xera to destroy every single Jew. You can't be talking about mitzvahs now. Because mitzvahs are, have to do with beyond Deva. Mitzvahs have to do with uh, Jewish people that were ripped out of Mitzrayim and then stood at our scene. I would give it mitzvahs to bring God into the world and, and, and work and change the world into something magnificent and great. They're really the sign of love. It's like a love relationship. Mitzvot, matzah, uh, Kali can't do that at this point. Because what's happened is is that we've almost become just part of the furniture. We've become insignificant. We've become the world has really become just a churning world of, of, of normalcy. And in that world, we don't seem to have a place because our roles are gone. The days of gods and the days of, of, of grandeur, the days those days seem to be gone. Right? That again, what are we? We're just really uh, you know good tradesmen. Uh, smart businessmen, um, people that are good to have around, our whole raison d'etre seems to have withered away. And in many ways, that made us susceptible, like the Medrash says, to a true xera against every single Jew to be eliminated. In order to resurrect this, in order we have to start from ground one, from Maise Horatius, from Bria. We have to start from, uh, in, in a sense... That's why they didn't do the mitzvot. That's why they didn't eat matzah. They didn't sit and have a seder. You would think, yeah, let's have a seder. It's about the, we have to get as much schutim as we can. I mean, we have to have... <laughs> we have all, that's what we would do today, right? If there'd be some there, we'd say, everybody, go and do mitzvot and try to be medactic in every mitzvah you can. No. It's not mitzvot time. We have to actually go back fundamentally to what we are and we have to examine it. Learning can help. But we have to learn those elements that really go back to the Yisod. The Mincha is really the Yisod, in a sense. The Mincha is the Yisod. The Mincha is the Yisod. And once that is true, the Maral says, that's the reason why the Korban HaOmer starts the 50-day building process that results in a Matan Torah. Because when you start at that Yisod, then you build it back up again from the beginning. Yes, you know why we can't be destroyed? <laughs> we can't be destroyed because there can't be a world without God, and there can't be a world without God without us. It is the complete hakora of God's control here. 
And that's part of the reason why human beings, in the Mincha, yeah, yeah, it's all Hashem, no. We are essential, the Kohanim, representing us. Eat also. It's the Kohanim and the Askarasa. That's where it starts. That's the Nefesh. That's the Nefesh, a very primal level, but an essential level. That's the rebuilding of Kal Yisrael that happens at the time of, of the Megillah. And of course, from there it goes into... Uh, but, but that's why Haman realizes, you know, you've got the kernel and the bottom. I knew you had a lot of mitzvot. I knew, I mean, Haman, as the Medrash says, is the world's expert on anti-Semitic uh, diatribe. He's able to bring out every mitzvah in the world. I think I mentioned it here. He was able to bring out... I, I was asked in my class, I said, Lou of an Estrin, I mean, how can he make anything bad about that? Yishnam Echon, the Doseim Shonus Mikol Om. So Haman said, you know what they do with the Luvan Estrin? They go into people's gardens. They, they butcher our beautiful gardens. They trample on the trees. They rip the Estrogim out. And then they just go into our beautiful date trees and they, they rip out the Luvan. And this is the way he described it, according to the Medrash, the. the, the, the the horror of what it was to live as a religious Jew, how it just, with no concern of the natural world around them, just destroying everything we're trying to do. Haman knew about mitzvahs. But Haman didn't understand that there are certain aspects, especially of this korban, and the learning of the korban really takes you back to the fundamental sense of what the world is. And Kali Yisrael, you're right, they weren't, doing, they weren't eating, and they weren't doing mitzvot, but they were contemplating about what that means. And from there, they were going to rebuild. Um, I, I, just, I think this piece dovetails into another part of the Arachayim in Sefer Shemos. The Arachayim asks a question, and this is really one of the most radical pieces of the Arachayim, about, he says, why does the Gemara and Shabbos say that God had to lift up the mountain over them? Betachti Sahar. They saw the top, they saw the underneath of the mountain because they it's didn't so want him to cobble the Torah. I mean, they said, Nasev and Ishma. Oh, so that's what the Rechaim talks about. And he says that the word Nishma, Nasev meant, Nasev meant every mitzvah they would hear from God. If you take a look at, um, this one, this is, the, it will end with this piece. This is a piece, again, about Mordechai and Esther. Uh, again, if you take a look on page, it's in Perikutes in Shemot. Im Shemot on page Tzadi Beis. If you take a look on page Tzadi Beis in Shemot. The second column. He says, Lufi Masha Pirashti. about seven lines down in the first column. Hashem told them, you know what, in order for Torah to work, there's one you're going to hear during the next 40 years, and then there's the living Torah of Torah Shemotet that will be ad infinitum. And that's going to be always. Um, and the rabbis are the ones that are going to develop it and make the takanot and keep the Jews living that Torah as something vital. So what did they say? They said, listen, God, whatever you're going to say, we're going to do. Nasa. But, and that's va'ata. 
then we're going to definitely do it. But the part, the part that they've got to hear, you know what? We'll wait. We can't accept it. We're not going to deny it. We have to wait. We have to wait to see. Let's see what the Takana is. Listen, we love our... We're not going to disrespect our rabbis, but let's hear what they have to say. Let's see what they're saying, and let's wait for the time to come. Obviously, these are laws that are evolvements. These are, these are ways to, 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 uh, uh, to deal with new situations. We can't say yes now in advance for our, our children forever. Why? First of all, it's impossible to, to record every single takana that the rabbis have on books. Every generation for its city, for its town, has a takana in a siyog. Is it possible to, for us to accept an unlimited Torah? I mean, and it's so dependent on the specificities of our time period, of what's going on, of what we need at this time. It's only going to last a couple years. Let's wait. When we hear it, we'll see. Does it work out? Can we live with it? Is it something we can accept? And if it is, we will. So, one second. Therefore, it says, at that time, they took Torah Shabbat Torah Shabbat which was so dependent on the acceptance of human leadership, whatever they're going to say, they said, listen, they are just human beings. We know they're going to teach us the principles based on this Torah, but we have to work. Let's wait. Let the future reveal itself. We can't accept that now. Hashem said no. It's impossible to conceive of a Jewish people unless you right now accept all the Torah, including what the rabbis are going to think about and the takanot of all the Torah Shabbat. Therefore, like she was said, they had to be Kofle Markegigas. But, Ad Yimei Mordechai. Mordechai, it was no longer Baonis. Why? What happened in Mordechai? What is so different about the Takonos of Purim? What's one that's been like where? Which it was, it was onus, right? Forced. They were forced. forced. They were forced. They really they accepted it, but they didn't. They it bothered them. Okay. Oh, oh, but one second. We'll, we'll, I just want, I just want to bring out the point the way he says it. He says, then they saw puulas chocham lachayim. They saw a different leader than they had ever seen before. They had Shmuel Anavi, they had had other great Nevi'im and Mitzakne Takonot, but they had never really melded together with a leader who seemed to be so involved with them on a Pu'ulas Chocham Lachayim. When they saw Mordechai and Esther, said, this is what our rabbis have been, that they've been with us. They've gone deep into who we were and rebuilt us from the top. They were fasting with us and suffering with us and we were actually together on this journey and, 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 and really in danger together but also examining ourselves. They willing, right. They were willing to, both of them were willing to die 
for the Jewish people. Therefore, you know what? That's what these takanas are. That made a change. Listen to what I'm saying. Kral Yisrael went down to that essence part of who they were, and when they saw their leaders that were with them, not doing mitzvahs, Gary, not telling them how to eat matzah, but actually forming with them who they were and what's going to be their connection to God, and like Sheila said, their heroism, their, their, their sense of connectedness, their, their sense of what Klai Yisrael needs, that made such an impression on the Jewish people. When they were recreated, they were recreated from the ground up as a people that understood who their Chachamim were. Because the Chachamim had really showed them with, these, with Purim that... Torah Shabbat Peh is not just some sort of mystical thing that they understood has to be done. That it was a byproduct of great Chochmah and that do it because it's the right thing. Don't argue with me. The rabbis know better. But rather, the Chachamim, who, like Mordechai and Esther, men and women, that this, they were with them at that essential point of self-discovery, of who they were again. Now, when they accept it in this rebirth they accept everything. They accept, we're going to accept all the takanot of, that are happening behold door of door. It isn't, Torah Shabbat stops being the mystery. That's the amazing thing. By, by going down to that level of fundamental teva, Torah Shabbat now stops being this, this mysterious brilliance that the rabbis feel we should do. But rather, it, it, it becomes the underlayment of the, who we are, and therefore the, tr- the Kabbalah that they had and the Simcha that they had in Purim was Be'etzem, a Kabbalah of that Torah Shabbat Peh. Asherot Magodul Tzadikim. Why? Because they realized that without these Chachamim, we wouldn't exist. It isn't just like at the time as it was at Yitzhak Mitzrayim, where you had Moshe as intermediary. Yeah, God took us out, and he needed to choose an intermediary. Here, without Mordechai Esther, without what they did, without their smarts, without their politics, without their sentiments, without that teamwork, with, there wouldn't have been any Klal Yisrael. That's what really the Chochm of Torah is, which they didn't really understand up until that point. It really gave them a whole new perspective of the whole rabbi's take on mitzvot. Therefore, it was only at Purim that... Kral Yisrael was able, the Rakhaim says, to be Makabel, the Ahava, all, and, and our Das Torah that we have today. The sense that I'm going to do what the rabbi says. The sense that I don't know, but the rabbi knows. The sense that, that we're going to follow the Psak, and that somehow the, 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 the confidence that we have, and the Simcha that we can put into Mitzvah the Rabbonon, it all stems from this change that happened on Purim. This change that really was, was, was typified by the limud of, of Mincha, the limud of Mincha and, and Omer. And that's why it was that day, not on Pesach, the Gaul actually happened for them on the day after Pesach. It was really the day of Hakravas of Askarasa that it began. And that's just an element there that I think putting together these two Arachayims. He loses Matregas. Yeah. 
but for but it's very very high in the again in order to put himself into with the people do all these things sacrifice the learning and swearing but, but in a way, the sacrifice might have been and might have been worth it. Because he was that's right. If we didn't, you're right. Mordechai himself became less of the Talmud Chacham, but as 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 as, as becoming part of Klal Yisrael, becoming the living symbol of of Klal Yisrael, Mordechai was able to matzliach. Okay, Afrel from Purim, everyone, and Mitzvah uh, Shem. We'll get to this other piece next Purim. If we because you know Purim, even if we're in Eretz Yisrael and you're a Shalayim, we'll still, yeah. we'll still be. Yeah, that's right. We'll still be talking about it. Okay.